Good morning, Grace Church. How are you all doing? First Chronicles 16 and 8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. I think this is awesome that in the Old Testament, it said, call upon and give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. I thought it was funny because they didn't know the name of the Lord. Until Jesus came on the scene, they didn't know what the name of the Lord was. They knew what they used God for. They knew what he would bring to them. So they called on the God who gives me peace, the God who gives me strength, the God who gives me provision. But we have an opportunity today because we know that name, that name above every other name, right? We can call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ, who is our strength. Jesus Christ, who is our provision. We can call upon that name today. And we have more power because of that name today. So if you would just praise with us and just lift him up and call upon that name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we exalt you.
Grace Church. Oh, let's give him some praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we've come with a sole purpose in mind to lift you up, to call your name, to celebrate your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on with a shout of praise right now. Can we lift our voices? Can we clap our hands? Oh, I'm rejoicing in the God of my salvation today. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. In that awful situation, at least from our perspective, that Job found himself in, family destroyed, health destroyed, no future, seeming that the whole universe had come against him. He, he summoned his faith. He summoned what he knew. And he said, I know my Redeemer lives. Today, whatever you've brought into this place, whatever situation, whatever life circumstance, whatever trial, I want you to declare in that situation the fact that your Redeemer lives in that situation. The name of Jesus is supreme in your trial, in your valley, in, in, in the circumstance you find yourself in. The name of Jesus is superior because He lives, because He has power. Oh, I wish somebody would just do that right now. Would you Would you just declare the name of Jesus in your life? Would you declare the name of Jesus over your family, over your children? Oh, yeah. I know my Redeemer lives. I, I know in whom I have believed today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I just happen to believe that there's some, some great things that are going to happen today before we leave this place. I, uh, the Bible says we're two or three are gathered, and there's more than that here today. And the presence of God is here, so that means anything is possible. God bless you today. God bless you today. You may be seated. And uh, before we go back into our worship set, I just want to uh, take care of a couple of things. First of all, welcome. We are so glad to see everyone here on campus this morning, those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream. We are so glad that you've chosen to be a part of the service today. And as always, we thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You can give online. You can give in the offering box in Grand Central. And God will bless you for your faithfulness. Amen. Let me just remind you that today is the last day to give to Mother's Memorial. So if you have been putting that offering off, if you've been procrastinating for any reason and want to be a part of the Mother's Memorial offering, today is your day. Please make a note of that. And then this coming Tuesday, we're so excited that Tuesday prayer has resumed, and we'll be praying right here in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock. If your schedule allows, please be a part of that. And then finally, on Sunday, July the 25th, that's next Sunday, uh, we will be having a blood drive right here on the campus. So if you'll sign up in Grand Central on your way out and be a part of saving somebody's life, amen. We want to be a part of that. So please take advantage of this tremendous, tremendous opportunity. Today, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer collectively as a church family. We have many in our, in our church family that are sick today. There is a lot of sickness this morning in our church family. And we have had one specific request today come in for Jacob Gregoire. They've asked that we call his name uh, before the Lord today. So as a church family, can we lift up our brothers and sisters today and pray for the healing power of God? I believe it's God's will for us to be well 
and for him to heal to the uttermost. So can we pray to that end today in Jesus' name? Lord, we come before you today. We've entered in with praise. We've acknowledged your supremacy. We worship you, you and the power you have to work in the lives of men and women. And so today I'm praying for all of those in our church community that are sick today. Lord, there are many families, many individuals that are sick. Lord, specifically, we call Jacob's name today. And I pray that you would heal to the uttermost, God. You've already paid the price. You've already done the work on Calvary. So we just activate our faith and proclaim your superiority over sickness in Jesus' name. I pray you would heal. I pray you would protect. I pray a mantle of covering over our, our families and over our, 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 our children and our parents and our grandparents over Grace Church. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Let it be done in Jesus' name. God bless you, Grace Church. Would you clap your hands to Jesus today?
to stop on my account. Let's invade the space above your head. Let's lift our hands and worship God. Let's put our hands in the air. This is not a sign of surrender to the world. It's a sign of surrender to God. Let's magnify Him this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory in the name of the Lord Jesus. We magnify you, dear God. We praise you, O Heavenly Father. Glory in the name of the Lord Jesus. Blessed is the Lamb of God. Blessed is the Lamb of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, if you're here to go through the same old thing, that's up to you. That's up to you. That's not why I'm here. I'm here because I believe in what I'm about to talk to you about today. I believe that God wants to have some people in this place have a breakthrough in their lives. You've faced some things, you've, you, you've hit a wall, you think it's over for you, but I'm fixing to talk to you about life from unlikely places. That's the God we serve. Can we give him another hand clap of praise, another worship this morning? Lord, we love you, we praise you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God, Lord, we love you. Magnify you, dear God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before you be seated, my, 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 my scripture text is a little bit further along in my, my message. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Because I believe God wants to do something amazing for you here this morning. I'm not just saying this. We're not just going through the motions, church. We're not just going through the motions. The time we have here is precious. It's precious. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we magnify you. I know that you are here because I have felt my Father's presence. And I know where you are, Lord Jesus, there is liberty. There is deliverance, Lord God. There is a way forward, Lord. So I pray, dear God, that you anoint me, Lord God, and anoint these precious people because you love them in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to preach to you preach to them for a little while, Dave. I almost preached out this morning in the adult class, but I left a little bit in the tank for a few minutes for this morning's main service. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk to you guys about, I, I, I feel on my heart to speak to you about life from unlikely places. And I'm going to start by saying something about humanity, something we all know we admire it in certain circumstances. But humanity prides itself, okay, on its ability to conjure from barren landscapes, edifices that reflect our expansive imaginations. We can do that. We can take an empty lot, Brother Dave, and build a beautiful building that can last centuries. We can do that from, from nothing, from something that is inhospitable, Boys and girls, we can create, humanity can create amazing things. One not so amazing thing that still baffles my mind is the city of Las Vegas. If you're from there, I'm not trying to offend. That place confuses me a little. Because Las Vegas, Nevada was forged from an incredibly bleak landscape around the turn of the 20th century. And from the austere environment of the Nevada desert sprang a city 
that is now renowned for its vice and its corruption and its sinful indulgence. That's what humanity did. We took an inhospitable land, then, then we devised methods of irrigation and production so that a place that once couldn't grow a cactus can now feed thousands of people. That's impressive, right? We build cities and wastelands. And we send men to the desolate reaches of space and affix the mark of mankind in the most improbable of places. We pat ourselves on the back. People make a lot of money doing it. It's impressive. I get it. We can look into the far reaches of space, which is a, a place, a territory that is wholly antagonistic to life, and visualize vibrant human colonies. Mankind dreams of its imprint extending into the vast unknowns of the stars. Yet, even as we marvel at the creativity and industriousness and imagination that we have, we still have a tendency to be a bit myopic sometimes, a little, a little short-sighted at times. Some people struggle with the limitations that confront them. They, they are tethered to a reality that imposes constraints that are grounded, not an amazing thing, these constraints are grounded in the mundane. We can build amazing edifices out of nothing, and yet we can be stymied by the most basic things in our lives. These people, they yield their hope to impediments that have robbed them of a vibrant future and joy and contentment simply because those impediments exist in the environment that rejects solutions that extend beyond this physical world. You see, we build those edifices and those structures out of nothing, but we do it with our own hands. We know how to lay brick and pour concrete and tie steel together. We can do that. But whenever we, we faced impediments that are beyond the scope of our own hands, all of a sudden, our, our imaginations can extend into those places. Who are these people? Who are these people who have succumbed to the bondage of circumstance? Who are these short-sighted people that have, that have this myopic view that has metastasized into a spiritual apathy? It is unfortunately expressed within the life of the follower of Christ. That's who it is. Churches in this country stand empty because their congregations have relented to the pressures of this world. They have succumbed to the new normal in American culture. It seems as if the reality of God has been placed on the back seat and has been suppressed because the reality of their lives is so much more impactful and powerful and real. It's okay when things are going all right. 
But it seems like our worship and our praise is a little bit muted whenever we're faced with some circumstances that, that are a little harsh and a little difficult and that have persisted in our lives for longer than we may have liked. We stop looking at the divine and begin looking at the mundane. The buildings that were once filled with the sound of animated dynamic worship are now filled with the restrained voices of people who cannot see beyond the terrain of hopelessness in which they find themselves. That's why whenever I was worshiping this morning and whenever I was creating this message that I believe God gave me, the overwhelming feeling, ladies and gentlemen, was that this church, this congregation, some of you need a breakthrough in your life that will transform you into the vessel of Almighty God. Somebody has to get it in their heart. I am not satisfied with what I see in my life. I have a God that is greater. And my great God is going to be expressed in something born from an unlikely place. I still got some preaching in me. I didn't give it all up in Sunday mornings, Bible class. It is into and against this environment, this plague of diminished, abbreviated faith that I'm preaching to you this morning. You may be encumbered by the failures of your past. You may be bound by the grief of a seemingly unrealized potential in God. But God is not finished with you yet. I don't care where you find yourself now. The bleakness of the landscape of your life. Stop judging God by the circumstances of your life. This church is meant to be vibrant. It is meant to be a benchmark of holiness and is meant to express the oneness of God in this community. Let's open the word this morning and, and peek into the lives of people. Some people who walked in contradiction. I love that word. They walked in contradiction to the facts and the evidence of their lives. We're going we're gonna to first look into the lives. I may get to some other people later. It just depends how you respond if I run out of gas. We're going to first look into the lives of Abraham and Sarah. I love these people. I love them. But we're going to look specifically, really closely, at that precious, beautiful, elderly woman named Sarah. We're going to start, not in the Old Testament. We'll get there. Let's start in the New. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at the, the culmination of their lives, what was accomplished through them. We're going to look at that first. Hebrews 11, chapter 8, uh, verse 8 through 12. By faith Abraham, by faith Abraham, start with Abraham, obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, he did it. He was called, 
And he went out not knowing where he was going. That's impressive to me. That's impressive. Abraham was already a man of means and influence. when He, he was 70 years old when he received his call. He wasn't young, super duper young like me. He was about 70. He was a man of means and influence. He had established himself in his, in his home. He, but that's, that, that's, that's, the, that's where God called him from, when he was called from, from this familiar home into uncharted territory of God's will. He had already established something, and he was uprooted by the will of God. The circumstance into which he stepped was the chaos of the unknown. The chaos of the unknown. The situation he left from, what he left, was the comfortable reality of his established life. I believe that the things that followed his life, the life of his wife, revolved around this willingness to want something more than he had. Something more. How, how fixed are we in what goes on in our church services now? How satisfied are we in the position we have in relation to God in our own personal lives now? Is there a, is there a spark of desire for something more? Because if there is, ladies and gentlemen, it will compel you to take that first step out of the, out of the known into the unknown. You'll begin living a life of faith and you'll see the expression of God in your life. God, I want to see you. I want to see you in my life. I want to, I want to see you expressed in my life. And he, that's like, oh, great, great. Come over here. Step out of where you are, where it's comfortable, and depend on me. That's what, that's what our friend Abraham did. By faith, verse 9, he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I, I love that. But the next verse, verse 11, is so incredibly important for this lesson for you this morning. Because it intro introduces us to a woman whose story, unfortunately, has been a little overshadowed by, by the father of the faithful. By faith, Sarah. Herself. Sarah also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. She judged him faithful who had promised. Another translation says it like this, and I really like it. By faith, Sarah, even though she was barren. Everybody say barren. Though she was barren and beyond the proper age, she was barren and there was no hope of ever having kids. It was done. Was enabled to conceive a child. Why? Because she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and in multitude. Innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. I understand. I really do. The value and significance Abraham within the context of. Uh, the, uh, the, the significance of Abraham within the context of the Judaic and the Christian faith. 
the lineage of our Lord weaves its way through many lives, but most significantly, Abraham. However, as Abraham said yes to God after his conversation with the great I Am, he didn't receive a letter, a priest didn't tell him, this man had a conversation with God. I would be very motivated to be obedient if all of a sudden, Ben Tear heard the voice of God in an audible fashion. That would really bolster my faith. That's what happened to Abraham. But as Abraham had a conversation with the great I Am, there was this little elderly woman who obediently followed her husband also into the unknown. She stepped, this woman, stepped into the future. Somebody's got to hear me this morning. She stepped into the future role of mother of a promise. But she stepped into that role with a barren womb. The lineage of Christ weaves its way back, yes, to Abraham, but it, was, it wove its way back to the womb of a woman who was barren. Millions trace their way back to a womb that should never have borne children. Let me tell you something, church. I don't care what position or place your life is in. I don't care how barren it's been up until this point. You can still bear a promise in this world. Stop limiting God by the condition of your life. The circumstances of this woman's life within this culture were a burden. She carried with her this burden each step in her journey toward a promise. Every day she got up, she was moving forward in her promise. She was being obedient, but she was doing it with a barren womb. It's important. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. Your life maybe hasn't borne the fruit that you think it should have. Your ministry may not be in the place that you think it should be. But don't ever stop. Because your barren womb is just a place that God's going to use for a miracle. She had produced... Sarah had produced no heir for her husband. Every morning that she got up, she faced a silent home. Every time she saw neighbors, a neighbor's child run by, she was reminded of the absence of a child in her own life every single day. Sarah shouldered the cultural shame of barrenness every moment of every day of her life as she walked through the landscape of obedience to God. As she walked through the landscape of obedience to God, she was faced every morning with the fact that she could not be what she felt she was meant to be. But yet, she continued forward. And she judged him faithful who had promised her. 
I will make of you a great nation, was the promise given to her husband. But when he heard that, she was still in the tent with a barren womb. Your descendants, I will give this land, is what Abraham heard, which motivated him to build an altar. And as this faithful man carried the stones to build the altar, after he heard that promise, his wife was in the tent with a barren womb. She followed living in the evidence of childlessness each day of her life up until a certain point. Every day brought a hope of conception. At the end of that day, it was a letdown of the reality that she was a 70-year-old woman without a child in a culture that demanded children. Then she was 75 years old, walking toward Canaan, walking toward the promised land, with a promise that you're going you're gonna to be the mother of millions. Something amazing is going to happen in your life. God, it's great! And every day she walked with this promise in her mind, the burden on her shoulders, with a barren womb, walking toward a promise. And at some point, she passed the natural threshold of age, her body beyond the natural point of pregnancy. And I'm really not surprised, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not surprised at the reaction of Sarah in Genesis chapter 18, because I believe it mirrors our own in so many ways. She was a follower of God living in an environment that up to that point did not resemble her promised future. We need to engage, ladies and gentlemen, in an honest self-evaluation. Has the environment of our lives caused us to, to succumb to spiritual cynicism? I've heard it. I've heard it. Brother Ben, I've heard it so many times preached over the pulpit. I've, I've, come, I've raised my hands. I've worshipped. I've believed for whatever God. I believe this promise of God in my life, but I haven't seen it. And that seed of cynicism is planted in our hearts. I've believed that my family's going to get in the, in the church. I, I believe my marriage is going to be re, re, refreshed and renewed. I believe my spouse is going to serve God. I believe a ministry that I started is going to blossom into something great. And yet, here I am. I'm five years older, and I don't see anything. Are we going through the motions of church because we cannot see beyond the difficult path and the barren womb? Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 through 14 says, Then they said to him, this is the angelic beings that are speaking to Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. It's where she's always been, following me faithfully with her barren womb. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life 
And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah, therefore, because of that, because of the evidence of her life, because of the barren womb and the old age and the lack of fulfillment, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, surely, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Verse, 13, verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Let me repeat that. To a, to a people, to some people in a congregation who have grown weary of hearing a promise from a barren womb. Is anything too hard for the Lord who can bring life from unlikely places? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Is anything too hard for the Lord? This question was asked, I believe, not to elicit an answer, but to impart a truth. Sarah, the woman who eventually bore to Abraham a, a little boy named Isaac, had to be reminded of a fundamental truth about God, and that is nothing is impossible with God. Let me say that again, because I, obviously it hasn't penetrated Nothing is impossible with God. I'm not trying to stimulate an action, a reaction from you. I'm trying to plant a seed in your mind. You have accepted a lie from your adversary. You have accepted a lie that, that, that clothes itself as a truth in your life. But I'm telling you that nothing is impossible with the entity that spoke the world into existence, who scattered the scars in the sky, who separated the waters so that this group of people could walk over on dry land and, and use that water to destroy their enemy, who fed them when they were hungry and there was no food around, who gave them water from a rock, who delivered you out of sin, who elevated your family out of turmoil, who healed your body, who separated you from a world that wants to destroy you. Nothing is impossible with God. This truth imparted to Sarah. How much time do I have? I'm not going to put on my glasses so I can't see. This truth imparted to Sarah was also part of another barren woman's life. Very similar story, Luke chapter 1, verses 35 through 7. I didn't give them the, I don't believe. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, talking to Mary. This angel is talking to Mary. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36 and verse 37, very interesting. Now indeed, 
Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Verse 37, for with God, nothing is impossible. Barren wombs, unproductive lives, you not reaching the place that you think you should in relationship with God. That doesn't stop God from bringing life to your life. Right? Do not allow, ladies and gentlemen, the atmosphere of your life to instigate bitterness toward God in your heart. You have walked faithfully with the Lord, holding on to a hope that you think is dead. But I'm here to speak a simple principle into your life as you sit here on the threshold of surrender. You're this far from giving up, but I want to tell you something. For with God, Nothing is impossible. God can bring life from unlikely places. There is something Sarah needed to understand, and there's something that you and I need to understand as well. Promises, ladies and gentlemen, can be born from barren wombs. God's power to bring life is manifested best in the bleakest of situations. Throughout the Word of God, we see manifestations of hope, from within hopeless situations. It is actually in those very environments that the reality of God is best expressed. You want to see God, you want to really see the power of God work, don't look at the abundance of a person's life. You get down there and look in the places where they're struggling, where there's difficulty, where the clouds of chaos are trying to overwhelm them. And then you're going to see the hand of God displayed against the chaos of their life. And you're going to hold that into your heart and you realize, one day I'm going to be in the same place. And that's when I need to see the power of God. You see, what, what we really have a problem with Really, in reality, what we have a problem with are the words that followed that question that was posed to Sarah. Let's, let's go back and read it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Verse 14. At the appointed time. We have a problem with that. Well, I, 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 get, I get a hand clap. I'm not, you can clap all you want to. I'm just going to use this as an illustration. We, we get a good hand clap, Brother Jason, whenever we say there's nothing impossible for the Lord. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, oh, I, I'm 50 years old, Lord. There ain't that much time left. I got more, I've got more fake parts in me. Well, I can't give a good analogy. I got a lot of fake parts in me. I don't have that far to go. Why are you telling me at the appointed time, I'm ready now? Nothing is, in too, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible for the Lord. That's right, Brother Ben. 
check your phone. Has the check come through yet? Nothing is in tune. At the appointed time. That's what we have a problem with, ladies and gentlemen. We have a problem with the time frame of God. We hold on to the promise when we get it. It's fantastic. It's fresh. I love it. But whenever one year turns into two and two years turns into five and we don't see that thing manifested in our life, we get a little angry. We get a little resentful. We start looking at the world like that, that you know what, well, that wasn't so bad. At the appointed time, we hold the promise of God in our minds, but we're holding that promise loosely in one hand with an internal clock in the other. Our faith sometimes has an expiration date, doesn't it? And it seems that internal calendar gets checked more and more and more frequently. How long have you prayed for that ministry to bloom? How long did you begin believing for that lost child? When you started, when did you start walking this path with the Lord, expecting the miraculous in your and your family's life? Sarah sat in a tent, an old woman following an old man, hearing a voice pass on a promise, and she laughed. You may not laugh, but do you worship like you used to worship? Do you linger in the altar like you once did? Are you interested in seeing that person Pray through to the beautiful, precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Are we, willing to, are we willing to step out in faith? Are we willing to lift our voices and our hands for more than just a few moments? When the praise team is doing such a great job, let them just handle it. I really, really, really believe that a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost is coming for this church. You know why, ladies and gentlemen? Because it needs to. Sarah sat in a tent and she laughed. What do we do? We discount and doubt the supernatural because we haven't seen it in our lives yet. Sarah followed the directives of Abraham. She was part of his caravan of faith. Her husband interacted with God, but she was always back in the tent with a barren womb. And with God always as a concept in our life. And this is a problem, ladies and gentlemen. If you begin to resent an unanswered promise, God becomes more and more a concept than a reality. If you don't keep walking like you're supposed to walk. One day, however, Sarah's purpose was revealed. Sarah's barren womb opened in her old age, birthing a child of promise who would become part of the lineage of Christ. Did she have 20 children before that, or God forbid, 25 children before that? No. God saved her for that one child. And that child mattered. I don't know the promise that will be birthed from the barren womb of your life. 
But I do know something, that he who promised is faithful. I don't know what your life is supposed to look like in five years or in three years or in six months. But I know the one who promised is faithful. I don't know what condition your family is going to be next week or next month. But I know the God who promised you is faithful. I don't know what your ministry is going to look like six years from now. But I know the God who promised you is faithful. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I do not believe that God accepts this perception of resignation that has encroached upon the body of Christ. This mindset that has sidetracked the once faithful and silenced the mouths of those who once worshipped Him with abandon. People who have experienced the move of God, people who have been witness to the miracle of conversion in their life, as well as the lives of others, have come to a place in which they are willing to abandon hope for others. God does not accept that. Lives that were once filled with the vibrant expectation of divine communion have been reduced to a cynical resignation of anemic spiritual existence and experience. How many of God's people have settled into a spiritual holding pattern Accepting the evidence that surrounds them as the only possible reality in their lives. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we tend to evaluate God. We evaluate Him. Not by what He's done, but by what He hasn't done. Not by the fact that I am saved, that I am in relationship, that He's paid for my sins, that He bled on the cross, that I can have an eternal life. We begin to evaluate Him because He hasn't done this thing in my life. We look at, the, we look at lives that are devoid of a certain thing, a certain thing, and we've determined that, it's, that this thing is so important. We disregard the movement of the Lord throughout our journey in this life. Our circumstance, regardless of how desperate or how seemingly final, I want to tell somebody it does not determine the work of the Lord, nor do those circumstances limit the vision of God in your life. Sarah lived with her home behind her and the stigma of a barren womb facing her every day until the the day she finally felt that little boy kick in her stomach. I need someone here to stop looking at the evidence of the atmosphere of your life and begin to feel for that kick of promise. Come on up. This principle that God brings life from unlikely places runs throughout the word. It punctuates the lives of those who encounter him and reveals his desire to give you an experience that can be the anchor of faith in your life. We see it expressed in Sarah and Elizabeth. Both lived through the years of their lives as barren women. We, saw, we see it also in the New Testament in the life of a friend of Jesus. Prior to what I'm about to read to you, 
Jesus was informed that a, a man that he loved, Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, was gravely ill. And upon hearing this news, he delayed his departure. Why? So he could more fully reveal his divine nature and provide for those who followed him an experience that could help to sustain them through the rest of their lives. He eventually informed his disciples that Lazarus was dead. He's dead. And then he gave them the purpose for his death. Then said Jesus in John chapter 11 verse 14, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, I go unto him. These people were followers of the Lord. They were not wholly ignorant of his nature and his professed purpose. They knew the implications of God's manifestations. They went to church, is what I'm trying to say. They had been witness to the miraculous. They had been privy to the profound, his profound teaching. But there was still something lacking in the understanding of those who followed Jesus every day. There was still some deficiency in the understanding of those who were following and, and closely familiar with the Lord. They'd been coming to church for years, but there was still something that they needed to know about Him. And the only way it could be revealed was with life coming from an unlikely place. For Elizabeth and for Sarah, life had to come from a barren womb. For Mary and for Martha, life had to come from a grave. What I'm trying to tell you, you can stand this morning, I'm done. You've been carrying with you a promise and your womb has been barren. You have not seen it fulfilled in your life. You have had a promise in your life and you've put it to bed. You've dug a grave and you've buried it. It's over. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is that there is nothing that is impossible with God. And at the appointed time, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to see life in your life from an unlikely place. Can we worship the Lord this morning? I open these altars so that you can come and speak to God and tell Him you're tired of waiting, but ask Him for the strength to give you the patience, the ability to move forward one more step and begin to feel for that kick of that life in a barren womb. Because I'm telling you today, God intends to give you a breakthrough in your life if you want it. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we magnify you today.
Stop working. 